The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Chinchere, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus and left him there, but he himself went to the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined, but on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills, and he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Acacia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Christ was Jesus. In chapter 19, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue, and for three months smoked boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, thank you for the messengers that have brought it to us. Uh, we pray for our brother Randall, uh, that he's, as he speaks today, that you'll empower him. Um, speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Um, thank you for your Holy Spirit. And just help us to have uh, ears to listen, uh, whatever it is you have for us today. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Ethan. Hey, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Um, I do want to give out a congratulations to Brooke and Ethan. They're having a baby soon, a, a little boy. And so praise God for that. Yeah. And then also Mary and Billy are having a little girl. And so praise God. That's awesome. And that's the cool thing about uh, working together for a while. You know, two staff members are having kids soon. And me and my wife have no announcements. No announcements. We are set at three, and so we're good to go. But I'm so excited for Billy and Mary, Brooke and Ethan, um, and just seeing the family grow here. Um, if you're new this morning, welcome. My name is Randall. I'm the pastor of Grace City. And um, the past couple weeks, I've been um, sharing at different places. And so I was able to go to my friend's church, uh, Pete Contreras, over at New Vision Church, and see what God is doing over there um, here in San Diego. And then also last week, was able to be at the crew retreat uh, with... Uh, students uh, from, from all over different campuses, San Diego State, UCSD, and so it was so exciting to be able to see what God is doing um, all over San Diego. And um, kind of one of the things we've always talked about is, you know, at the end of the day, um, 
how many churches are in San Diego? There's one. It's God's church, right? It's, it's the kingdom. And so being able to come together and encourage each other has been so good. Uh, so today we're, we're, we're continuing in the book of Acts. And so if you're just joining us, uh, we've been journeying through the book of Acts, looking at different parts of it and learning uh, who the church, uh, that, that God designed, what, what it is, right? What is the church? What does that look like uh, to be the church? Um, and so today's message is healthy orthodoxy. Healthy orthodoxy. What does that mean? Well, what it means, orthodoxy is just a set of teachings, right? And how it's good to have healthy teachings. The, the, the scriptures, healthy teachings. And so um, I was watching a video recently of a TED Talk. Um, it was a man, uh, his name is Atul Gawande. And Atul uh, is a surgeon. And the, the title of his talk was, uh, want to get great at something, get a coach. And here's what he says. He says, I entered practice in 2003 as a surgeon. He says, for the first several years, I was steady, uh, upward improvement uh, in, in my learning curve. But he said, after about five years, I leveled out. And many years after that, I realized I wasn't getting any better. And so he thought to himself, why don't I call one of my professors to see if they can observe me as I uh, do procedures? Says, okay, I'll, I'll get a coach. And so he asked this former professor who had retired, um, and the professor agreed. He said, I'll come in and, and watch you. Uh, Atul said, I, I didn't think that there would be much that I would really gain from it. Uh, but I thought it would be a, a good practice to instill in my life. Uh, he does the procedure, has his uh, professor come to him afterwards, and, and he said, um, instead of uh, minimal notes, he said there was a, an extensive uh, page with dense notes all throughout. Um, and his professor said to him, well, well just some small things. Uh, he said, okay, small things uh, that matter. Uh, he said, did you notice that the light had swung out of the wound during the case? You, you spent about half an hour just operating off the light from reflected surfaces. He says, another one, did you notice that your elbow uh, kind of goes out um, in the air once in a while? And this means that you're not in full control. Um, he says, a surgeon's elbow should be down at their sides, resting comfortably. Um, he says, it was a whole other level of awareness to have somebody on the outside looking at the fundamentals of what he was doing and, and giving some feedback. He said this, he says, describing great coaches and what they do, they are external eyes and ears providing a more accurate picture of reality. And so what he said is, he says, um, I didn't think being observed at the time uh, was going to help me much. Um, I also felt that there were seasons where I didn't really need to get better. But it made me realize that the coaches that were there in my life were profoundly important for me to grow. Now I say all this because in today's text, we see this new person come into the picture, Apollos. And, and 
there is an importance about the message that he's proclaiming. Um, it's, it, it says the word accuracy twice. Um, and particularly in the area of what he was teaching, what he was preaching, uh, the gospel. Um, but also, there was a constant need that we see for coaching and discipleship. See, how do you and I grow? It's not just in isolation by ourselves, but what we see as we grow in healthy teaching, orthodoxy, learning about Christ, it's in community. It's in community. Not in isolation, not by ourselves, but in community. A.W. Tozer once said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. How many of you had, have, have had ideas that have popped into your mind of God doesn't love me, God doesn't care about me, or I need to work for God's love and God's favor? Like, how many times have you, that, that creeped into your mind about who God is? That he really can't be as good as this tells me he is. But maybe you've had someone come alongside you and encourage you and tell you, actually, it's true. This is who God really is. You see, the best visual that, that I've seen is like uh, the, this picture of two boxes. And so imagine this one box here and then one larger box. And basically this, this box here is, is your understanding of who God is and the gospel. And then there's this bigger box outside that is the true gospel and it is the truth of who God is. And basically he's saying that, that you and I have like this little understanding and we need to expand, we need to grow. We, there's like arrows pointing out saying we need to grow into the truth of who God is. We need to grow into the truth of the gospel. See, like my friend Ryan once said, he says, no, with, with the gospel, we grow into the gospel, not out of it. Do you get what I'm saying? There are people who think today that, that, well, I've just kind of grown out of these beliefs. I've grown out of God and his word. I've kind of grown out of that faith. But he says it's not something we grow out of. It's something we grow into. We grow into it. And so there is some more to God than what we understand or realize right now. And what we see in the scriptures is true. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 2 tells us, he says, Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold on to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. The Apostle Paul here is talking to the Corinthians. And today we are studying Apollos where? In Corinth. He's in this city that Paul had preached the gospel to the people there and they are not getting past the gospel, not getting past this message of Jesus, but he's saying, no, this is what I need to remind you of. He says, the gospel I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved. Do you see that? You receive it. It's that first time experience of listening to it, receiving it, saying, I understand who Jesus is. I understand this message. But then it's something that which we stand in. Like what's going to be the thing that's going to help you to stand again and again as a Christian, being reminded of the truth of the gospel? And he says, by which you are being saved. How am I saved? How am I being saved? 
it's through this message, this beautiful message of who Jesus is. And so Paul preached it, Apollos preaches it, and we continue to believe and preach it today. That's what, the, that's what we're talking about. So our text today is Acts 18, uh, 24 through 28. That's what we're going to be really diving into today. And um, this is the beginning of Paul's third missionary journey. And so in, uh, we, we've already looked at the first missionary journey, second missionary journey. The, uh, the second missionary journey ends, remember last week, um, Jeff did a, a wonderful job of describing kind of what was going on uh, there with Paul. But he got to a place where he was wondering, okay, um, God, are you still calling me? Are you still here? Are you still working? And God gives him this vision. And then he ends up staying a year and a half um, in that city there. And so um, now we're looking at uh, the third missionary journey. Uh, Paul is going to, on this missionary journey, uh, travel back to Derby. Remember Derby and Lystra? That's where he was like stoned. Um, Iconium and Antioch, which is Corinth. Okay, and his mission was to encourage churches to continue to grow in their understanding of who God is, the truth of the gospel, and what we would say would be this healthy orthodoxy. And so we're going to look at that today um, because on this mission we see this new leader that, that understands the gospel. His name is Apollos, and we're going to look at what he's preaching here and, and really break this down. So what was the message that Apollos preached and also grew in understanding of. Well, it was a gospel that we see in uh, three ways is broken down. The first one is it's Jesus-centered, it's multifaceted, and number three, it's a better message. Jesus-centered, multifaceted, a better message. And so the first one is Jesus-centered. Look at verses 24 through 25. Now, do you name Apollos? A native of Alexandria came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. Okay, so first, um, Apollos' resume here. That's what we get, right? We get Apollos' resume. So um, he was of Jewish descent. He was from Alexandria, which was a city that produced scholars like Philo and later Christian theologians like Clement, Athanasius, Origen. Uh, what we find is that the word that was used here about him was he was eloquent, okay? And then also that he was competent in the scriptures, um, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. He was fervent in spirit. So what we see here when it says that he was fervent in spirit, uh, there's an article there before spirit. So it says he was fervent um, or passionate in the spirit. So basically what it's pointing to, and we see this later, is it's talking about the Holy Spirit. God is working powerfully in his life. There was a sign that, that the Holy Spirit was active in his life, which means that he was a believer, right? God had worked in his life before. He was a believer in Christ. And so uh, the Holy Spirit was, was at work. Now, the thing about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to see this later, but the Holy Spirit working actively in the life of a believer is the word, it, it says the, the description of the Holy Spirit is parakletos. 
And a parakletos is you come alongside, basically, your coach. Your coach. So ultimately, when we think about coaching, who's the ultimate coach? It's God. God is the one that comes alongside. God is the the parakletos that that comes in and works in our lives. Um, It said that he spoke and taught accurately. Uh, One of the things that I talked about last week at the retreat for the college students was how um, in Galatians, um, in Galatians 1, 6 through 7, they, it said that they heard the gospel and then there was false teachers that came in and started teaching them another gospel. And the word that was used there is the word pervert the gospel. So it's Galatians 1, 6 through 7. Here's what Paul says. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, this word here uh, for pervert is basically, it's the word reverse. They reversed the gospel. They twisted the gospel. And what we see here is that Apollos is is preaching accurately. He's preaching accurately what the gospel is. So what is an accurate description of the gospel? Simply, it's this that I'm received and accepted by Jesus in his work alone, and then I obey him. Do you see the twist, though? The, here's what the twist, here's what the, 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 the ones who are perverting the gospel, twisting the gospel are saying. You work for God's love, and then God will accept you. They twisted it. How often do you and I twist the gospel? How many, you, how many of us re- reverse the gospel and believe that, oh, wait, it's me working for God's love and then maybe God is going to love me and save me. But the truth of the gospel is that you and I are saved by Christ and Christ alone and what he has done for us, the perfect life, death, resurrection of Jesus, his work on the cross, That's how I'm saved. I'm received right now where I stand. I am accepted today. And then I can obey him because of the power of who he is and his Holy Spirit in my life. Do you see that? And so what we see is that Apollos was preaching accurately the gospel order. As he was sharing about Jesus, he was preaching it correctly. C.H. Spurgeon says, "Um, if if the Lord's bearing our sin for us is not the gospel, I have no gospel to preach. I remember um, one of of the groups that I'm in, it's called City to City. We're we're focused on planting gospel-centered churches, Christ-centered churches. And I was in one of the trainings in New York, and we were, we were uh, listening to to some of the things that were were happening in the city. and, And they said one of the success stories was that there was this pastor in his 70s that was going through the program. And one of the things they talk about was just the simplicity of the gospel. Gospel fluency is what we'd say, like just uh, understanding the message of Christianity. Now this guy had been in ministry for 40 some odd years. And by the end of the trainings, he went to the, the trainer and said, I've been preaching a different gospel. I've been preaching 
this gospel that you got to get your life together and then you'll be loved by God. But actually, I, I, I've been preaching it all wrong. And so he's, that Sunday, he, he went in front of his congregation and said, I'm, I'm sorry that I've been preaching to you moralism, a, a moral message that just said, get your life together, and I wasn't preaching Jesus. And I'm sorry. This guy in his 70s. Right? But him hearing the message of the gospel transformed his heart, transformed his life, and said, I got to share this with others. This accuracy is important. It says he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. See, what was the heart of Apollos' message? His focus was not on himself, because here's the thing. Apollos had some credentials, didn't he? It wasn't on, his message wasn't based on his credentials, all the things he did, funny stories about himself, personal stories saying, connect with me. His focus was on Jesus. He was eloquent, but he used his gift to focus on Christ, on Jesus. But then it says something at the end here, a little bit more about him. It says, though he only knew the baptism of John. Lastly, after all his accolades, we see that he was still needing to learn. He hadn't arrived. He hadn't gotten to a place where he said, okay, I don't need to learn anymore. I've got it all together. No, it says that he, 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 he only knew of this. After all his accolades, after all that he knew, he still needed to learn. And so what does this show us? That the gospel is multifaceted. It's multifaceted. There's much more to the message of Jesus than you and I realize. Again, it's like, it's like this bigger box which we grow into and see that it's much bigger than we thought it was. Verse 26, it says, He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more, more accurately. Um, I love this quote. I don't know who it's from. But it says, there's no such thing as well, a well-rounded person, only well-rounded teams. There's no such thing as a well-rounded person, only well-rounded teams. What, what does this help us to understand? That, that you and I need other people, community in our lives. See, we need people around us to help us to grow and mature in life. And so we see here that there's this, this beautiful interaction that happens and there's a, a better outcome that comes from it as um, Apollos has Priscilla and Aquila come into his life. See, we, we all have room to grow in the gospel. And so uh, for, for Apollos, what we see here is uh, there is a teachable attitude in him. He didn't get to a place where he says, I've arrived, I've got it all together. No, there's actually people coming in saying, hey, you're doing well, but there's something more that you can grow in. For Priscilla and Aquila, this is about equipping and discipleship. See, why did they take Apollos aside? Why did they listen to this message 
and, and come to him and, and explain to him a little bit more? Were they just critical? Because we know about criticism, right? We know about our society today, which is ready to critique and, and throw someone out at any moment and say, hold on, that wasn't quite, let me throw you out, you're done. No, what we see here is Priscilla and Quilla come alongside him and say, hey, Apollos, you're gifted. You got a lot of great things going on. You're preaching a really great gospel, an amazing thing. But did you know something about baptism that you might not know right now? And it was this, that there's actually a gospel-centered nature to baptism. Right, what we see is that, that in, in, in early on, John the Baptist was, was baptizing, but, but we didn't see the fullness of, of what, or what, what that meant. In Jewish history, we see that there was actually uh, water baptisms that were happening back then. But it was, it was like it, the fullness and understanding of it wasn't quite there. They thought, well, maybe it's just a, a ritual cleansing of just showing that we we're being cleansed of our sins. But no, Priscilla and Aquila came alongside uh, of Apollos and said, you know what, even that baptism thing, remember that John baptism thing? Do you realize it points to Jesus? Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about it in Romans 6, 3 through 4. He says, or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You know what's happening? He, they're coming alongside him saying, hey, you know that baptism thing? It's not just some ritual cleansing, something that we do. But do you see how it just points to Jesus? Do you see how it points to, to his death, that, that when he died, we get to experience that, we get to reenact that, we go under the water, it's like, you know what, like we were dead in our sins, but now we go under the water and we come back up and it's like the resurrection power of Jesus and what he does in our lives. Do you see the picture here of what, what's happening? See, they were getting to tell him the good news that it's a lot more about Jesus than even he thought and he can grow into understanding, whoa, that's a cool picture. That's a great, great picture to hold on to. See, what's the outcome? Apollos understands that the gospel is more multifaceted than he realized and he has a fuller understanding of who Jesus is. See, the fact that when he looked at baptism, he now saw the power of Jesus jesus can do in our lives and so lastly this better message look at verses 27 through 28 and when he wished to cross to achaia now achaia is corinth the brothers encouraged him and wrote the disciples to welcome him when he arrived he greatly helped those who through grace had believed remember so paul had been there now we see that apollos is entering in into corinth and they said they had believed through grace, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So first we see that this word that, that he wished. He had some, here's the thing. Like we have dreams, we have ideas, we have wishes of, of doing certain things, right? But the question is, 
What happens when we get there and do we have something to say when we get there? What, what if your dream actually happened? What if you, you wish something would happen and you got there? Do you have something to say if you were to get there? Because sometimes we want these destinations, but we don't understand that there's something more that God wants to do. And so what we see here is that when, when Apollos wished to go to Achaia, which is Corinth, that the brothers encouraged him and wrote the, to the disciples to welcome him. It's because Apollos had something to say. Apollos had something to, to bring of value when he got there. Okay, and, and it says that this, that he greatly helped. Here's the thing. Why, what, like, does the message that we bring help people or hurt people? Because if, we, if we're bringing a message of, of good news, which is what the gospel means, then it says that, that through, it's going to help those through, who through grace had believed to, to, to remember and get helped by what God can do in their lives. And so we see that, that when Apollos gets there, he's there to help, he's there to serve, he's there to pour into the people. As gifted as he is, he's not there to bring his gifts to bear on the people and say, hey, look at how gifted I am. He goes there to say, look at how good God is. Look at what God has done. Look at what God can do. And it says that he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Uh, George uh, Owen once said, the world has many religions, but it has but one gospel. It has many religions, but one gospel. If we were to boil down what Christianity truly is, it's a message that's different than any other religion in the world. I, I, I tell you this again and again, friends. And the message is clear that it was about Jesus. Because here's the thing. It, it says that he um, powerfully refuted the Jews in public by showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Here's how I want us to think about this. You know, for those who were there, for the Jewish leaders and people that were there, we can try and distance, distance ourselves and feel like, oh, well, I don't really relate. That's not really what I think. That's not really how I operate. But let me ask you this. Have you worked so hard to the point where you felt like your, your life was just, you were, you were, you were whittling down to, 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 to a point where you just felt like you kept getting more and more put on your plate? So much so that, that the, the stress and anxiety and all of these things just start to bear down, not just on you physically, but it feels like your very soul. Like your very soul. And then you look up to heaven. You say, God, how, how is this life going to work? How is all this going to come together? God, why? And then it's like, God, are you putting more on my shoulders? Are you putting more weight on me? Because I can't do this anymore. Many religions, 
only one gospel. The weight that, carry, that you carry in your soul, physically, all of these things. What's the only thing that can be brought to bear on you and me that can help us to, to, to come up under that weight? It's a message that when Jesus says this, he says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Rest for your souls. He says, take, take my yoke upon you and, and my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That's the gospel. The fact that God isn't looking down on you saying, here's more to do. But he's looking down from the cross at a broken world saying, it is finished. It is finished. And the fact is, as Apollos is, is coming to this community, coming to the city, he's showing by the scriptures that, that God didn't come to bear down more weight on your soul, but he came to lift the weight off of your soul by the power of what he's done on the cross. And he's saying, will you believe me? Will you trust me? Will you look to me? See, the message of the gospel is a person, not an idea, checklist, philosophy, a person, Jesus Christ. To be free from the religious demands, the to-do list, the, the things that we put on our plate every day and say, this is what my identity is. This is what makes me who I am. If I, if I don't get this grade, if I don't get this job opportunity, if I don't get all of these things accumulated, then my life isn't valuable. For God to look at you and say, no, you're my son, you're my daughter, no matter what. I died for you, I love you. I've, I've actually finished it all for you. I bought you a great price. It cost me my life. Don't look at yourself as a failure any longer because I have lifted you up and said you're my child and I love you. Right? Do, you do you believe that gospel? Because that gospel is a better message than the gospel that, that we try to play in our minds. It's a reverse gospel to be free of the, the to-do list and to be saved into the amazing grace of God. Because remember what it says, greatly helped those who through grace had believed. Through grace had believed. Again, one of the things I was talking to the college students about last week is, you know, I was driving one time and I saw this, uh, this bumper sticker and it said, um, I saw that karma. And I was like, ooh. What did you see? Like, oh my gosh, you know, like, what did I do? <laughs> you know, and um, it didn't bring much peace or comfort in my life to think about that. Like, okay, it, what if that were God's words? Like, I saw that. And you know what? That is karma. You get what you deserve. You know what grace is? You get what you don't deserve. Totally different message, right? The grace of God. That they were saved through grace. And that God says, I'm not looking down on you, but I'm coming to you. And I'm coming to you in relationship. And I'm there to walk with you through it all. Just some takeaways here. What, what, for, first question for you. What, what gospel are you believing? Is it, is it accurate? Because a healthy orthodoxy 
Healthy belief system starts with actually reading the scriptures and understanding, is what I'm believing true? Truly the gospel, true, the truth of Christ. Because maybe I'm believing in reverse order. Maybe I'm believing in order that isn't true and maybe I'm defining my life based on that order saying, I'm just another failure. But do you know how God comes to us? He lifts our head. That's why I, I love Psalm 3 because he says, you know, David's like life is falling apart. His kingdom is falling apart. His family is falling apart. Everything is falling apart around him. His, his, uh, his son had turned against him. He was going to take over the empire. He had to flee from his community there. And then it's like he, he, he starts to remember the truth of who God is. And you know what he says? He says, God, you're the lifter of my head. Why, is, why do you say that? Because there were other things that he was looking to to lift his head. And he realized that he felt depressed and down and it just was discouraging to him. And so the gospel, the message of the gospel and the message of Christ is this. What lifts your head every morning? What lifts your head? And how long will it lift your head? Or will it tear you down? Because God is always there and it says he's the lifter of our heads. How do we approach our spiritual disciplines? My friend Enrique, he said it this way. He says, uh, spiritual disciplines um, aren't to impress God. I spelt that wrong there. Disciples. Um, disciplines. Um, spiritual disciplines aren't to impress God. They are to be impressed by God. You see that gospel reversal there? Sometimes we approach our Bibles and we think, well, I'm impressing God because I opened my Bible today and I'm impressing God because I prayed today. God, how impressed are you with me? But actually the reason that we come to God in prayer, the, the, the reason that we come to God and read the scriptures is to be impressed by God. God, look at what you've done. Look at who you are. Thank you, God, that you could love me. Right? Next question is, do you have someone coaching you? See, what are areas that, of the gospel you might be missing right now? And you might, you'll never know if you don't have someone in your life who has been walking this journey with you, longer than you, coming alongside you. I remember one time I was, um, I was sitting in my living room and I was just discouraged and I, I, I said something to the effect of, um, to my friend uh, Sal. And Sal, if you know Sal, he started the church with us. If, um, if you know Sal, he doesn't hold back. And one of the things he, I said to him was like, Sal, man, it's like God, you know, the gospel. All that stuff just seems distant to me right now. And he says, Randall, you know that's not true, right? He said, God is right there with you. He's never left you. He's with you. But in that moment, I, my feelings were telling me, yeah, the gospel, God, all that, it just feels distant from me. He says, no, it's, it's near to you. God is near to you. And you need to hear that today. You know, you need people in your life. I need people in my life. And, and here's the thing. It's not going to be someone through a screen or a podcast. No, I'm talking about a real life person. Real life person to come next to you 
to be with you, to encourage you, to help you. Um, I loved it this week, was able to, to do this uh, marriage group. It's, it's for some that are getting married, premarital group. Um, and and it, was, it was really cool because uh, one of the, the things that was said there is, they said, I've grown in the idea of marriage because I've seen the gospel in others, other people's marriage. And it's given me a vision. Isn't that beautiful? It's like you're coming alongside other people and they're like, wow, it's given me a vision because maybe I didn't understand what it meant. But to see it become a reality in other people's life, oh, okay, that, that, that's helped me. See, God works through people and he also works through the power of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 19 here, some of you, we are reading through this and the, the, the beauty of this is, is it relates back to John chapter 3 because it talks about the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit is like the wind. Here's the thing. Can you control the wind? Can you manipulate the wind? Maybe you can kind of push it in certain directions, whatever. We can create things. But here's the thing. You can't, you can't control the wind. And you can't control the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's like the wind. It's going to come when you least expect it too. And what we see here is that in chapter 18, it was Priscilla and Quilla coming to Apollos and saying, hey, here's some things I need to help you with. And then in chapter uh, 19, it's just the Holy Spirit teaching them. Here's who I am. I'm coming here. I, I'm meeting you. God's meeting. And so the way that God works is sometimes there's going to be coaches and people that come in your life and teach you things about who God is, and it's going to expand your view, and it's going to help you. In other ways, you're going to experience things that God's going to do in your life, and it's going to be God who's specifically coaching you and teaching you and helping you to understand. It wasn't any person that did this. I'm coming in. I'm helping you to understand this. Because that's how God works. He will do what he wants, when he wants, where he wants, how he wants. I don't control God. We don't control God. And so that's the beauty of the, the whole coaching thing is like knowing that God is going to bring this. But just a clarification, there's, there's a great quote. D.A. Carson says this. He says, when we're filled with the Spirit, the explanations that are given come in very, very, very different ways. But they always return us to Christ to compassion, to gentleness, to straightforwardness, to holiness, to integrity, to love for people. When God breaks into our life, it isn't just like, woo, I had this nice experience with God. No, what it is, is God comes into our lives to fill us with himself to become more like Jesus. It points us to Christ. And it draws us in to become more compassionate, gentle, filled with the Spirit, uh, fruit of the Spirit, different people. Lastly, in what ways has God called you to share? You know, for Apollos, it was, it was to, to the Jews um, in, in Corinth. And so when he goes there, he's feeling like, okay, I need to go there. I need to be a part of this. I need to help there. For you, what is God filling you with? What is God saying, okay, here's the places that I'm sending you to go? Again, one of the things that we talk about at Grace City all the time is this. We say, Grace City, you're sent. 
And so what are you being sent into? You're being sent into a world that needs to hear some good news. You're being sent into a world that needs Jesus. And so what are ways that you can share that with others? To end, 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 6 says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. God gave the growth. And so where is our focus? Where do we end? What is the gospel message? It's this, that the God of the universe came down, became like us, was the ultimate messenger, right? Died on our behalf and gave us this opportunity where God could be in our lives. And so is he in your life today? Is your focus on him? Where is it today? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this gift of, of knowing who you are, what you've done, how you work, Lord. And, and I pray that you draw us in to the truth. It says that uh, you, you will lead us into grace and truth. And so teach us what that means, God. Help us to understand this and, and help us to understand the greatness of who you are. Sometimes I, I think for myself, I, I feel like I have this grasp on it and then it just, I don't. <laughs> I don't understand it. Um, and so there's so much more that I, I can grow and learn in and I pray that we have that posture as well of humility to say, I need to grow. I need to learn. Um, I, I need to learn more about who you are. Uh, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.